Hey guys, I wanted to start, and Nick, I might start with you. You can't ignore it. The, the, the columnists are out, the commentators are out. They're just talking about the fact that really Christopher Luxon's popularity isn't going in the direction that they like and and there's there's talk about this sending shivers through the hearts of national strategists and already people are starting to kind of rub their hands together and wonder who could step up. Would it be Nicola Willis or Erica Stanford or Shane Retty? So first of all, are we at that point yet? And if we are, who 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 do you think would be ready to go and step up and take over? Firstly, anyone that's listened to me knows I talk about momentum all the time. Labour were gone. Let's be honest. They were absolutely gone. Change of leader, suddenly new momentum goes Labour's way. I think, I mean, I'm I'm concerned and I'm worried because I want this election to be unbelievable. I want it to be down to the wire and I want to see everyone make changes to our country when they get into power because they've known they've made mistakes in the past. Either, Either party, right? But I think that what National have to do is just hold tight. It was terrible timing, Luxon getting COVID. We understand that. A poll came out and then he got COVID. I think they've just got to hold tight. He's got, he's got to stay confident because there isn't an obvious alternative. There isn't. I, and, you know, I live in the city where they all work out of. I just don't feel there's, there is someone that could possibly, possibly get them through. Yeah, I do tend to agree with you, Nick. I think it is a little bit too early, but I mean, it's very hard for those who sort of live in this world not not to be quietly sort of, you know, probably having conversations about how things might progress. I'm sure that is happening um, because, yeah, he, he's not getting the cut through that they would have hoped. Uh, it, it, sort of in the, you know, if you live long enough, politics is so cyclical, isn't it? I mean, we've been through this with Labour, you know, you know, leader after leader, and no one just had that magic thing that the public latches onto, and and it's 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 a tricky thing, and and you know, sometimes just being good at the job, you'd think that might be enough, but there is a, an X factor that is required, and yeah, I I don't think there is anyone there at the moment who's really got that. Well, Nick, um, yeah, I mean, is it broader too, Irene? Because they've kind of been they've kind of been campaigning a little bit on that. Look! Look what these guys are doing. It's all—it's all going badly pear-shaped. You need to get rid of them. And then all of a sudden, the government is able to present a whole new, a whole new face. Uh, is 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 kind of able to switch things up a lot and pretend that well, actually, the, you know, we, we have moved on. The old is gone. The new is here now. And then and and we're we're making all these changes and we're doing all these things, which National was kind of saying these are the things we do. They kind of their, their campaign's a bit redundant. Yeah, leaves them with nowhere to go on that. And I mean, to, I mean, all of this should be prefaced with being leader of the opposition is an extremely thankless task. Oh, I mean, that's one of the worst jobs in politics. But it is they often fall into that thing of just criticising everything that the op- that the government is doing for the sake of it. And it starts to feel quite hypocritical because it's often things that they've supported in the past or has even been their policy or whatever. And so I think it could play better with the electorate to really refine that and actually just concentrate on criticising the really, you know, the things that really warrant it and start saying what we would do differently is this. We have this policy and this policy and this policy and that has definitely been lacking up to this point. Because Nick, you have Nicola Willis on your show each week don't you? I mean are you hearing more policy? Are you hearing more vision for the country from them? Okay. No. And and the thing is really this is the really simple crutch of it, right? Chris Hipkins comes in 
He just lights up an incinerator. Their, their terminology, not mine. Who the hell's got an incinerator anymore? Anyway, <laughs> puts everything that's even slightly not populated popular in the incinerator and burns it. Well, of course you're going to get momentum back, aren't you? Of course you're going to say, oh, thank God for that. Co-governance. Oh, we've been fighting for that. Oh, it's gone. We don't have to worry about it. So it's pretty simple to do what he's done. He's done nothing that you actually look at him and go, wow, that's fantastic, has it? It's just lit the incinerator. That's all he's done. Is is Nicola... I mean, Nicola's a wonderful person, and I really like her, and I get on with her. I have had her on the show for an hour, for 18 months, so I've got to know her reasonably well. Is she going to make a, a tiny bit of difference between her and Chris Luxon? I have to say no. Will she be a good deputy leader and a good minister of finance? Absolutely. Would she potentially be a good prime minister? Absolutely. But right now, throwing her in the deep end of the pool without any paddlers, is, is, it's, just, it's just ludicrous, really. Look, guys, we've also, uh, today, the Greens are um, doing their State of the Planet speech. They've just started at 11.30. It's been an interesting week for them, of course, because um, we we saw the government scrap climate policies. They ended up on the bonfire of the policies this week. Uh, at the same time, we, we saw a survey come out that said that 54% of people want the government to act with more urgency on climate change, while 27% said they, said they wanted the government to continue as planned. And then you had... Um, sort of former Green MPs coming out criticising a very muted response to the government's axing of these climate policies. So finally we get to today, <laughs> after not hearing an awful lot, and one of the main messages they're delivering today at 11.30 is that political parties that want to negotiate with the Green Party after the, after the election must come to the table which with much, with much faster, bolder climate action. So are you surprised to hear this today? Or, I mean, was it inevitable, Irene, that they were going to come out and have to make a really strong stand to set themselves apart at the end of this week? I think they have to at the moment. And, I mean, they're sort of just in the middle of the speech, so we don't know exactly what's coming. But, you know, is there an implication there? I mean, is it time for the Greens to sort of untie themselves from Labour and either just be a force outside, you know, pouring pressure on or you know could they align with national or whomever would that actually be better in terms of getting their message out uh i mean that you know they've been very handicapped by the pragmatism of politics you know what you can achieve versus what you should actually do and i think james shaw has is a pragmatist and has tried to straddle that but it's really difficult and you know the pressure's now going to come on so yeah i'm interested to see exactly what they do say this afternoon yeah what what was your response this week nick you know what's happened is that james shaw is really liked and really respected by everybody apart from the far left and the greens right so he's got a problem madame david is completely lights out. It's just nothing there. She adds nothing to anything. Chloe Swarbrick sitting in the background. She's waiting to be a sensation in politics, not getting the opportunity. Change, drop out Madame Davidson, put Chloe Swarbrick in there, maybe get rid of James Shaw. Cut the far left from the Green Party. Cut it. It's not going to work, and it's dated, dated politics from 100 years ago. Stay true to what you're there for. Make the world a better place for me and you, right? 54% of New Zealand want that to happen. You do that, watch out. Watch out. Don't hold back, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) What would your response, if you were a member of the Greens Party, what would you say to that, Irene? 
Uh, well, see, this is where it becomes difficult because there's different fractions of who is a member of the Green Party. And see, to me, if the Green Party did concentrate on green issues and, you know, as they said, to making the world a better place, um, that, you know, and really focused on that and, as I say, didn't necessarily align with anybody but just push, 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 that, that could work for me. But, you know, if I were a, a, a purist supporter of the party... I want them to be doing all the other social issues. I don't want them ever having a bar of a party like National or ACT. So they are, you know, in a little bit of a, between a rock and a hard place. News Talk ZB Wellington Mornings host Nick Mills and commentator and TV producer Irene Gardner. Thanks so much for being with us on the panel today.